back to the podcast on Germany. My name is Jacob, and this is episode 22, The Rhine, Mercenary Shop and Bandit Haven. I apologize for missing last week, but my least favorite season hit full on. So there's a bunch of pollen out in the air, and it left me down. Uh, you could probably still tell that I have a little uh, nasal congestion going on. It's been a week. I'm still fighting it. But it's definitely nowhere near as bad as it was last weekend. This pollen season just seems to be one of the worst I've had to deal with in a while. Uh, My car is usually black. Right now it's closer to a chalky yellow. I almost washed it, thankfully. Got a rainstorm coming in, so that's going to clear it up just a bit. But this is why I hate spring. I know, kind of a shocker. Most people like spring, but I really hate spring. It just sets off my allergies. Uh, I lived in Virginia for a while, and it took me almost a full month to recover. Not a huge fan of that. Give me fall any day. But you're not here to listen to me whine? No. Instead, I want to take a minute and just praise you guys. The podcast is growing. We've almost hit 150 on Twitter. Facebook is still growing as well. We have nearly 2,000 downloads on one of the trackers I have. I haven't been able to figure out how to track on the website. So I don't know how many of you download from the website. But 2,000 alone from just one of the major areas that I publish the podcast. That's amazing. We also have some amazing reviews out there. And this is all thanks to you guys. You're going out. You're telling your friends, you're telling your family about the show. And I'm super appreciative. It really shows how much you guys care for the show. Now, I have been asked if I'm going to do a Patreon for the show. Maybe do some membership episodes and publish the transcripts. First of all, you don't want to see my transcripts. Most of the time, they're just ramblings that I have to cut and edit and sit there and think, do I really want to say this out loud? By the way, that line was supposed to be cut and I just kind of left it in there. But the answer is, I would love to. But I really don't have the time. Most of my evenings are now spent researching for the main show. And the weekends are used for writing and recording the episodes. Now maybe in the future... This can change. I do have some research that I've put on the back burner that I've contemplated for special episodes. But there's nothing that I could really dive into and constantly produce until later. For other projects of the show, I am looking for an artist right now to do an actual proper logo, not, not what I've created, because let me tell you, I'm no artist. Now, I have ideas... But I don't have the abilities, unless we just want to go with a stick figure. If you'd love to have a stick figure, let me know, because I can do a pretty realistic stick figure. But I figured you guys would prefer something else for the logo, for the show. So, right now, I'm on the lookout for an artist. If you have any ideas or any recommendations, please shoot me an email. Podcastsongermany at gmail. This project is still in the works. I'm saving up pennies and dimes so I can get us a really nice logo to go with the show. 
if you would like to support the project or simply support the show, give funds to help purchase the books, help purchase the database and the websites we use, then please check out our website, www.podcastongermany.com. There you'll find a donation page that's connected to the account that I use for the website. And of course, just enjoy the podcast on Germany. Have fun with it. All right, all right. I've taken up enough of your time. Again, let me just say thank you guys for all your support. We're going to keep on going, and hopefully pretty soon we'll have some really neat artwork for you guys to look at. But for now, let's get back to the show. We're not going to be diving into a lot of battles for this episode. We're not going to be talking about Julius Caesar's campaign in detail. And that's mainly because after Ariovistus, it kind of focuses on the Gauls for a while. Instead, we're going to talk about what's happening between Julius Caesar and the Germans in this phase of his campaign where he's really focused on trying to secure Gaul for his, well, his pockets. If you remember, two weeks ago, Julius Caesar kicked out Ariovistus and what remained of the Swabian tribe, just kicked them out of Gaul completely. And this decides, for now and for the next several centuries, who is going to have the upper hand and eventual control of Gaul. Had Caesar been defeated, well, then the history of Gaul would have been completely different. Now, still probably extremely tragic for the Gauls who lived there, but that's just because it would be under the German tribes who would be pouring in and not Caesar and the Roman Empire. Now, there's no doubt that if Ariovistus had been successful, that more Germans would have followed in his path. I mean, there were already tribes wanting to join him. This is the whole reason that he and Caesar fought. However, with the shattering of Ariovistus' power, German tribes seem to take a breather. They back off for a little bit, and they kind of watch to see what happens. Now, they're still going to try to cross, and we'll get to that after this episode. But for a while, they're going to serve as mercenaries. They're going to be serving as soldiers for hire. Or... They're going to be bandits. They're going to raid. They're just going to take advantage of the chaos that's erupting thanks to the fighting between the Gauls and Caesar. These Germans, either as mercenaries or bandits, will serve as an aid or a pain in the butt to Caesar. Let's talk about mercenaries first. Now, mercenaries has been a very popular job for Germans. After all, that's what brought Ariovistus in the first place to Gaul. He came over to help fight in a war between two Gallic tribes. It's good money for a very poor region of Europe. It also gives chieftains a chance to make powerful allies in the Romans or the Gallic tribes that they're serving with. And they can use this to bolster their own standing at home. This also helps them to satisfy their warriors who probably have quite the crazy bloodlust and the desire to make a lot of money. So, hire yourself out. You prove yourself a capable warrior. You have a bunch of loyal troops behind you after the campaign. You go home. You can establish yourself 
That's a powerful tribesman or chieftain. Not a bad gig. Mercenary jobs are dependable. There's a huge campaign going on, and there's a lot of fighting, as constantly, Gallic tribes are going to rise up in rebellion against Caesar. So, yeah, they're going to be hiring extra troops to come over from Germany. And Caesar, he knows about how great German warriors are. He's going to be hiring them to help fight these wars. So, it's a very dependable job. They provide honor, wealth, and political power that you can use at home. Caesar, in fact, will have a German cavalry force that will save his bacon more than once in the campaign. And by the way, this isn't just coming from us. This is coming from Caesar himself. He claims that this cavalry saves him more often than not. Mercenary work is booming for the Germans. And if you could survive, then you're going to do pretty well for yourself. What if mercenary work isn't open to you? You still want to fight. You still want to get money. But for some reason, you can't get involved in the mercenary work. Well, you turn to banditry. You become a raider. And a lot of Germans will turn to this. Because unlike mercenary work, you can fight and you can get the wealth. But you don't have to wait for someone to invite you in. Mercenaries are coming from the same tribes. More often than not, Julius Caesar is going to get his... Mercenaries from the same few tribes. The Gauls are going to get theirs from the same few tribes. They've built relations with these tribes. They know the chieftains. They feel like they can trust the men. So if your rival has connections with the Romans, they can make sure that none of your troops can serve with the Romans. Your troops still want to get involved. The Gauls won't hire them. Well, you become raiders. You take advantage of the chaos. You go into the countryside and attack the merchants, small villages, maybe even small detachment of soldiers. Now, for these bandits to work, they need a couple of things. First, they have to have planning and expertise. They have the ability to fight effectively and quickly to dispatch the enemies. And they have to know where to go in order to catch the Gauls or the Romans off guard and to get the loot. If they don't have this, then it's going to trip them up. And this really affects the second thing they need. And that's speed. The second requirement for them is speed. They have to have the ability to get in and out before overwhelming forces strike. The longer they take looting a place or traveling to and from, the higher the chance that their enemies are going to find them, are going to force them to fight. And if you lose too many fighters in the fight, even if you get away with the loot, then your ability to launch future raids is diminished. Finally, and this one's really important, you need a safe zone, a hideout, a lair, if you will. This is a place that you can reach where you should be safe from your enemies. You see, when you're fleeing after doing the raid, you're going to quickly tire. And eventually, if they have enough resources in the pursuit against you, they will catch you, and they'll force you to fight. So a safe area 
is where you can go and you can hide and recover or hopefully be done with the chase completely. And the safe zone is set up because either those who are chasing you have no way of knowing where it is or they can't get to it themselves. So take a second and think. Where do you think this safe zone is going to be? If you guess the Rhine, then you got it. You're right. Remember when Ariovistus and his army was crushed? I know. Sad day for them. Where did they try to flee? Where did they try to go? They fled to the Rhine. They tried to escape. And Ariovistus survived because he was able to cross the Rhine. Caesar did not pursue And the Swabi would be able to reorganize. Now, yes, they do get attacked on the far side of the Rhine. But it serves as this barrier that requires boats or bridges to cross. And technically, this is the German home turf. They may not know exactly where to go, but they probably have a better inkling than the Romans or the Gauls who are chasing them. Raiders who could flee back to the Rhine were then safe from Roman and Gallic justice. And this was something that the Germans had kind of built into their mentality. They saw the Rhine as their safe zone. Now, this border being used as a safe haven for bandits, this is something that all borderlands and all of history has dealt with. Police, government soldiers and agents, anyone with any ints of authority with the law behind them, hate borderlands. You have a lot more resources at hand to use than the bandits. You have deputies you can use. You have an army you can use. But you also have to follow rules. There are certain things you can and cannot do. Bandits, on the other hand, well, they are in this position because they're busy not following the rules. That's kind of their whole thing right now. So... A perfect territory for raiders and bandits is along these borders where their opponents cannot chase them because it breaks the law. It puts them in the wrong if they do. For the United States, we've had several of these borderland territories that have served as havens for bandits and raiders in the past. Texas and Louisiana are perfect examples in our early U.S. history. The Canadian border, another perfect example throughout all of our history. Borders have been used constantly throughout time by bandits as a way of safely finding a place to hide out, a place where they can't be touched. Now, there is a response to these raids, to these bandits as they come in and out, and that's to shut them down. You have to end them. There's two ways of doing this. You either inflict enough casualties that they're unable to continue, or you destroy their base and their hideouts. You cross that line. And then they're not able to rest. They're not able to strike again because they don't have a safe zone anymore. They don't have a place that they can plan and prepare. Now, for our story, this would require Caesar or the Gauls to send troops into Germania, crossing the Rhine, and risk another war with tribes of unknown strength and quality while they're busy fighting each other. What do you think the chances are that 
Gaul or Caesar is going to send troops across the Rhine when they're busy fighting each other. Yeah, not much. And to Caesar, this has to be extremely annoying. In fact, we know it's extremely annoying because he develops ways of trying to deal with it. For Caesar, he has two stock gaps that he'll rely on. And both of them deal with two issues with the Rhine. First, the Rhine is where you can get mercenaries. This is where you, as a Gallic leader, could go and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to rebel against the Romans. I could use some warriors. I got some money in my pocket. Let's talk to the Germans. You hire yourself a small army, and they come over ready to fight. The second is the bandits. These roaming groups of horsemen that attack small villages, your supply wagons, anything and everything that's not nailed down, and then quickly flee back across the Rhine to safety, costing you men, costing you supplies, and the trust of the locals. For Caesar, his answer is to police. His answer is to have a force and presence. Now, let's deal with the bandits first. How is he going to stop the bandits? How is he going to deal with this? Well, he stations troops along the roads, along areas of high bandit activity. He talks about how in the Alps, he stationed a legion where, quote, merchants accustomed to travel with great danger and under great imposts, unquote just so that merchants could safely cross the Alps to continue trade. He stations a legion there. These troops will be stationed throughout Gaul in the same way, to keep the population down, of course, but also to deal with these bandits. These troops stationed out in the field increase their chances of catching the bandits in the act, allow them to bring them into a fight and defeat them. Now, it's not 100% effective. The bandits can figure out where these camps are and avoid them. But it does increase the protection. And it decreases the effectiveness of the bandits. His other method is aimed to deal with German mercenaries. It's created to stop the Rhine being a recruitment center for these Gallic rebels. And this is to simply place a large force on the Rhine to monitor the Germans, make sure that none of them cross the Rhine. For instance, when he's dealing with rebellion along the coastline, when the Belgae seem to be causing Caesar some problems while he's trying to deal with this other rebellion, well, he sends Titus Labinius with his cavalry to visit them, make sure they know who's boss and to, quote, repel the Germans who were said to have been summoned by the Belgae to their aid if they, the Germans, attempted to cross the river by force in their ships, unquote. He sends his cavalry to keep the locals in check, but also to make sure that the German mercenaries who may or may not have been hired don't arrive. Overall, these two styles of operation require a lot of manpower, and are temporary answers to the German problem. You can put all the troops you have on the Rhine, but they can't keep 
constant vigilance 24-7. Eventually, a gap will be found, and German mercenaries can make their way across. You can have garrisons spread out through all of Gaul, but the raiders will figure out a path that they can use, know when to strike small villages, know when to strike the supply lines at their weakest, and get away with the loot. Because as long as the Rhine is a safe zone, then bandits and mercenaries, they can wait out anything. And the Roman soldiers can't stay there forever. This is a huge usage of Roman manpower, especially in a region that will be up in flames for this entire campaign. German mercenaries can be bought by the Gauls in secret. They could be bought by the Britons across the sea. All that's needed is gold. And so in the end, for Caesar, these solutions are going to fail him. They're not going to keep the Germans out of his campaign. And they fail to answer the problem that's going to keep Caesar on edge the most when he thinks about the Rhine. And that's how to stop another Ariovistus from rising up and invading Gaul and not making the same mistakes that Ariovistus made. And next week, we will discuss what happens when it seems that Caesar's nightmare comes true as word reaches him that two tribes have crossed the Rhine in force. I hope you all have a great week hopefully pollen free again thank you all for your continual support of the show please review us share us with your friends and i'll see you next tuesday